Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Yes, hello and welcome to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver and Paul Hazelby with you on your Saturday. Hope you're well wherever you are in the beautiful state of Western Australia. So much has happened in the sporting landscape in the last week or so as I welcome in Paul Hazelby. Good day, Boob. It's heating up, isn't it? We're getting closer to the AFL finals. The US Open continues. We've had some cricket. Australia back into it. Good to see them get their first win against England in the last T20 international over there. And I want to start by just congratulating one of my good friends in Tim Gossage. Now, Mm -hmm. he last night said goodbye to Channel 10. He's Mm -hmm. no longer going to be Reading the news, they'll go with a more national program out of Channel 10. He's been on there for 31 years, would you believe? He gave me my first start in the business. But 31 years in a job, Rob, uh, you're a younger person coming through. Can you ever see yourself or your demographic demographic coming through do 31 years in the same job? Hayes, it's very difficult for me to even visualise what that would look like because I have not yet been on this earth. 31 years. So just to put that in perspective, Goss was doing that at Channel 10 before I was born. Look, I I don't think I can. Um, I don't know whether it's a generational thing and and sort of, I guess, the thrill of the chase or trying new challenges. Not to say that Goss has not challenged himself in his time. He's uh, an all-around media performer, been great at so many different things, particularly with sport and commentary. But um, yeah, look, a huge congratulations to Goss for what he's been able to achieve and particularly in an industry which is not known for its longevity. I know in WA we've been sport a little bit with the likes of um, Sue and Rick on Channel 7. They've been there for, I think, three decades or so, and, and Goss obviously at Channel 10. But uh, big congratulations to Goss, and it'll be sad to see him go. And you're a sports journalist working your way up. It's been a really tough time, hasn't it, for the sports industry with so many good people across so many different stations, radio as well. The income hasn't been there. It's a new world out there, isn't it, in not only media, but more specifically sports media as well. It is, and it's almost an interesting um, balance in the sense that uh, you look at the statistics and there's more people globally particularly consuming sport and sport media than ever before as the world becomes smaller the internet becomes more readily available and streaming services are catering Mm. for um, markets all over the world not just your traditional local markets for whatever a sporting team or a sporting league is and um, it's a it's a brave new world in a lot of ways and I think we see a um, an interesting balance where media organisations are looking to cut costs and as you say syndicate content potentially where possible um, but at the same time as viewership or readership or streaming rates go up we're actually cutting the content creators whether that's print media whether that's um staff whether that's commentary it's a really interesting dynamic i don't know where the future lies i believe it's probably in in video streaming for Mm. sport particularly but um you see the rise of podcasts and other independent media outlets in the way that we cover sport and um maybe that's the future but yeah it's, it's an interesting time and sticking with that, Channel 7 have commenced the process to terminate its contract with Cricket Australia. We're talking about a $450 million deal. If this doesn't go ahead, yes, there'll be other suitors. Channel 10 and Channel 9 might get the rights back to the cricket, mm. but they're unhappy. They think they've got a termination clause in their 
contract. in their contract because they're not certain that the quality of the Big Bash in the Australian summer is what they have paid for. This is another example of the landscape. So can, right I, just, can I just clarify for, for everybody out there, is this specifically them cancelling their BBL contract or does this include all of their tests, all of their, their one-day internationals? Or that's, so this is the entire mm. cricketing schedule. We, we discussed this on the program a couple of weeks ago um, when this was a rumour, and it's gaining traction that this is what Channel 7 is trying to do. The Big Bash, uh, people always said, we don't want to, to cook the goose that laid the golden egg, and I think maybe that's it. what happened. I think they have cooked it. The Big Bash, I don't think, is a problem on its own. The biggest problem is its place within the broader cricketing schedule, not just for Australia, where we're talking the men's team, the women's team, but we're talking about international summer of cricket as well. Um, I don't know that getting these high-profile international Australian players coming back to the Big Bash would even help, though. I, I don't think this year particularly, we're not going to have imports. Um, who knows what's going to happen with the international summer of cricket. But in a domestic sense, I think the Big Bash can still thrive. But it's almost an oversaturation. I think we've seen this with the AFL as well. There's less focus on, right, it's Friday night, I have to watch the footy. Because it's been on five nights mm. a week. And I think this is maybe the problem that the Big Bash has had. Um, for Channel 7, only they would know their figures, only they would know um, sort of the revenue streams that they have attached to it as well. But uh, an interesting time. And it, it'll be uh, it'll be almost, forgive my expression, but almost a fun negotiation, I think, to look in on. Because if Channel 7 can do this, it sets the precedent. It sets the bar so high for every other sporting league, not only domestically, but it sets a precedent globally when you're covering these sports that you do get return on investment. And it's not just a matter of, hey, we bought the rights, whatever we do with it, whatever you do with the product is fine. We see the power that Channel 7's had over the AFL this year in returns of, look, we've got the Cox Plate, we're the rights holders for that, so let's put the grand final at night on the same day. We want a ratings bonanza. So broadcasters, I think, are going to have more power than ever. I think they're entitled to renegotiate, and a lot of sports have that, done that, and they deserve a discount, but it's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out, and cricket right now needs it. It certainly does. This is Off the Bench, Rob Beaver and Paul Hazelby. The Dig, coming up next. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench, Rob Beaver, Paul Hazelby with you. Let's get into this. The Dig. Dial before you dig. The essential first step. Ah, yes. The sometimes very well thought out, very well researched part of the show where we take aim at something. Sometimes it's just an irrational rant, Paul. Which side of that fence do you fall on this morning? I'm going real rational today because I'm having a go at the AFL clubs in the past and they need to get smarter. They need to be more ruthless with the way that they give out contracts. Now, over the last couple of years with free agency becoming a big thing in the AFL, there's a number of clubs that are giving out massive contracts, seven-year contracts. Mm. And this was on the back of Buddy Franklin who got a nine-year deal going back a long time. And has that worked? Maybe it has Mm. for Sydney with some publicity. Hasn't worked on field and he's still got three years remaining, would you believe? and he hasn't played too much in the last couple of weeks. I think you've got to offer your best contract, which might be four or five. And if a player can get seven elsewhere, say goodbye. You've just got to do it because there are too many examples where clubs are putting their list at risk because of the longevity of these contracts. We've seen it again this year, and Brody Grundy is a player that got seven-year extension at the start of the season. How's he going? Is he worth $1 million a season right now? Probably not this year. He's not. Stephen Cornelio, obviously a big name, the captain of the Giants, reported yesterday that he's been dropped by his side, Leon Cameron. He's the captain. First time since John Warsfold, would you believe? Guess how many years he got last year? Seven. Seven Seven-year deal. Do you think it plays on the psyche 
of the individual when you get one like that. Bryce Gibbs, I'll give you another one. He got a big contract to go back to the Adelaide Crows right at the end of his career. Yesterday, what a career it was, mind you, former number one draft pick. He is now retiring with one year left on his contract. They've got to pay him out. Did that work? No, it didn't. Shouldn't have got that many years at the back end of his career. Well done to Carlton for letting him go because they've got something good. Rory Sloan's another one at the Adelaide Crows. Still got four years. He's playing like a bastard right now. And Tim Kelly, he was sensational on Thursday night. But he's had a poor year too. He's got a big deal. Who's winning that deal? Geelong. Because they let him go. They got a number of draft picks in the door. They free up salary cap and they move on and they charge towards the finals. Yeah, it's an interesting point that you make because inevitably with free agency, and I think this is what a lot of um, analysts and, and people within the industry were scared of, is that instead of paying a player what he is worth, what you end up paying him is what somebody who don't who doesn't already have that player under contract is willing to overpay him yeah. to bring him to their club. And because club. they're free agents, they mm. get them for free. Exactly. So they're going to pay seven years yeah, because they're, because they're, they're saving up. two draft picks or whatever the other sweetener mm. is or that extra player or whatever the case is. So You're uh, a big NBA fan. I am. When are we going to start being like them? When the, a player gets towards the end, maybe at free agency or just be... Just after that, mm. they start to offload those players and get something back into return for the back end of their career. I don't think the I don't think it's in the AFL psyche to do that. Too I, much loyalty. I, still? I, I feel like the particularly with the Victorian clubs, the the notion of the being family and the and I, and I should put this out there. I love the father son rule. I love the fact that our players don't move around quite as much, but. The one thing that I will say is that inevitably it will get to that point because the players mm. are going to start doing what's right for them. The teams, and this is the, what you hear every NBA player say, is the team will always do what is right for the team. Therefore, I will do what is right for me. And yeah, they cop backlash for a little period of time after they make those decisions. But as the game grows, which inevitably it will, that's what the AFL's charter is to help grow the game. It becomes more and more of a business. There's more and more money involved. Decisions will become more and more ruthless. You look back 20 years ago, um, if a guy like Buddy Franklin had have done what he did back in 1999, mm. for no reason, he's on a premiership team. They've won three in a row. He just goes, yeah, sorry, I'm up and out. It would have been absolute fear. And there was a little bit of, um, I suppose we knew it was coming to an extent because he hadn't signed that contract during the year. But I think, the length of the deal took a lot of the focus off the fact that he was a guy that had absolutely no reason to leave that club in terms of there was premiership success, there was money, there was everything you could have ever asked for, uh, and he did. So I think the AFL will eventually become like the NBA. It's just a matter of time. And when that occurs, there's got to be buyer beware from the new club. When clearly mm. Buddy Franklin has only left Hawthorne, all of his mates, there's only one reason to do that, and that is money, 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 money. That has to play a part in the psyche of the individual. Now, he's brilliant enough, he's good enough that he's got to a really high level at Hawthorne, at Sydney, mm. sorry, but not all players have that capacity. I've got no doubt that in my last year of my contract, I was hungrier. I was more fierce mm. than I was when I got some of the bigger extensions throughout my career. That's an interesting point uh, on Off The Bench here. Plenty more still to come. Off The Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off The Bench. Rob Beaver and Paul Hazelby with you. Hayes took aim at uh, the AFL industry and the clubs just before the break. Well, now it's my turn for the dig. And you mentioned the NBA in the last uh, bit of radio that we just did. And, Hayes, I'm going to take aim at the all-defensive team. And the reason being, this is in the NBA, Australian Ben Simmons, the first team all, the first all-defensive team, I should say. So this, they do two teams, for those who aren't familiar. So essentially your top-tier 
and your bottom tier. Essentially, what that does is mean that you are in the top 10 best defensive players. It's good news, wasn't it? Great for him. He, he really deserved great, it. Great for him. He didn't deserve <laughs> it. He didn't deserve to be first. He, no, no. He did not deserve to be first team. Why? Well, let's have a look at some of his stats. So we're focusing here on defensive stats. So now he led the league with 2.1 steals a game. Bang. Okay. Fair enough. That's not the only stat, oh. Hayes, that goes into a defensive player. You have rebounds, for example, so defensive rebounds. You have blocks, of which, by the way, Ben Simmons averages half a block a game despite being about five inches taller than every opponent he plays on at the point guard position. That's not good enough. You take a look at other metrics. You look at opponent field goal percentage. So not just are you blocking a shot, but are you bothering your opponent enough that he misses shots? I can tell you there are plenty of people that have lit Ben Simmons up during the year. More to the point, so he's averaging 2.1 steals a game. I'm happy with that. He deserves all the recognition that he gets for that. He averaged 0.6 of a block per game. Do you know how many people there are in the league that averaged more than 0.6 blocks a game? It's easy for you to say this, but who should have been in there? Who missed out and what were their numbers? Who should have been in the All-NBA, mm. the first team yeah, as a Yeah, the guard? first team. You can, it's fair enough for you to have a go that he shouldn't have been in the team, but you need a replacement. Who deserved it more than him? You could put, if you're looking specifically at the guard spot, you could look at a guy like Chris Paul, who's been wonderful for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Patrick Beverly uh, with the Los Angeles Clippers is renowned for being a defensive pest. Uh, you could also throw other guys in there from a multitude of other teams. You could throw LeBron James in there if you believe that he's more of a guard because of the way that he controls and playmates um, for the Los Angeles Lakers. There are plenty of guys you could throw in there. Now, I'm not saying you didn't deserve How recognition. How many games did he play? He missed a few through injury, didn't he? Ben Simmons played 57 of a possible, I think it would have been about 75, give mm. or take, given um, the way that the season panned out and the cancellation and going down to Orlando. So, I, I'm okay with the amount of games that he played. I've got no issue with that, but to put him as the best defensive guard in the league... Huge recognition for him. I'm happy for him, but he did not deserve to be named the best defensive guard in the league, essentially, which is what they do by putting him on the all-defensive first team. Well, you know what you're talking about. You've got a lot of knowledge. Now, who's going to win? We're getting towards the pointy end of the NBA, where they've been playing in the hub. Who do you have from here taking it out this season? I've got no idea who's coming out of either conference. And the reason I say that is the Clippers and the Lakers, uh, the season series was split two games apiece. There is literally, there's no way to separate them. It's whoever does the best on the night. I'd like to think the Clippers will get up uh, just because they've been a historically bad franchise. I'd like to see them get through and win one. In the Eastern yeah, Conference, franchise, that's why. They are. Don't get me wrong. I'm not shying away from that. But in the Eastern Conference, Milwaukee, who is the favorite, they've got the Defensive Player of the Year, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak. He's likely to be named MVP as well. They've been eliminated by Miami. So they're gone. They didn't even make it past the second round. So uh, I have no idea who's coming out of the East. I think it'll probably end up being Boston or Miami. We've got to wait and see if Boston can take down Toronto. But Boston or Miami in the East and then the Lakers and the Clippers in the West. Beyond that, it's it, it's really a coin toss. I think both teams in the West are better than both teams in the East, though. How's the numbers been for the NBA viewership with what's going on with COVID? Uh, not amazing. Not amazing. Crowds but the, play a big part. Well, the, the crowds make up 50% of the NBA's overall revenue. Yeah. To use that in the, as it's an example. It's my concern for the Big Bash. When mm. they do play, if they have hubs, they're not going to get big crowds to every game. And I think that has an overall impact on the spectacle. I think you can get away with it a little bit in the AFL. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Um, I think I think what the NBA has done is fantastic. They make it. When you watch the games, you don't realise that there's no people there. They, mm. they pump sound in. They get... Camera angles. Um, yeah, there's camera angles, but they also have big virtual boards, like walls full of LED screens, and people buy tickets to be on Skype, and they basically have these fans 
virtually in the crowd. So I think they've done a magnificent job, but the reality is you're not going to replace 50% of your revenue um, overnight. I don't know what they're going to do going forward. But Ben Simmons, all defensive first team, no, thank you very much. Happy for him, but did not deserve it. That's my dig. Don't dig yourself into a whole lot of free dial before you dig inquiry. Plenty more still to come. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Thanks to Kia with Australia's best seven-year factory warranty. Hayes, let's get into our waffle update. Kia offers value you can trust in Australia's best seven-year warranty across the entire Kia range. Taking a look at the games today, East Perth up against Peel Thunder. That one will be at Leaderville Oval a little bit later on today. Uh, West Perth taking on Subiaco. That should be a, a good game. Very interesting to see where those teams end up. Perth and South Fremantle. Can Perth make the finals? Are you still on that, Hayes? What do you think? Well, this is it. This is the last round of the waffle for Perth to make the finals. They need to beat South Fremantle, the undefeated team. Whether <laughs> or not South Fremantle takes it easy or rests a few players before they go towards finals, I'm not quite sure, but it's going to be massive later today, as is the Falcons taking on the Lions. For the Falcons, they're still striving to get inside the top two, which you really want in the Lions, well, they need to win and they need to bolster their percentage as well. I think the Royals have really improved this year. They'll beat Peel Thunder, but disappointing last week. The Royals, they had South from on toast. They're five mm. goals up at three-quarter time and they lost by about 24 points in the end. And the Sharks, they take on Swan Districts. The TV game, that will be played tomorrow, but uh, not much at stake for the Swans or the Sharks. But the big interest is Perth. If they lose mm. this, they miss finals again. 24 seasons in a row. Would you believe, Rob? I would believe it. But uh, I, I, I'm i generally, I'm not a Perth supporter at all. I, mm. If I align with any club, I probably align with Claremont. But I look at any long-suffering uh, organisation or, or team, and particularly their fan base, and I go, just get in there. Sometimes you just need to get over that hill, even if they get absolutely obliterated in the first final. Sometimes you just need to break through that barrier mentally and then you can go on to bigger and better things in the future. So my fingers are crossed. For they had their chance Thunder. last week. They played Swan Districts, the lowly-ranked Swan Districts. One win and they lost. They got flogged. They weren't even Well, this is why Perth game. hasn't been making finals, because they're not consistent. That was our waffle update. Thanks to Kia. Let's get into our sports wrap now for Auto 1. If you really love cars, then Auto 1 is the one. Hayes, talk us through the rest of the games for the AFL round. All right, it kicks off uh, later today. It's the Dockers taking on North Melbourne. I think the Dockers will be good way to go. Uh, Reese Conker out, but they have been terrific. Good luck to Toby Watson, who will play in that game. Port Adelaide take on the Bombers. The Power will win that one. Big game. The Giants up against the Demons. I can't. You can't tip either, either here. No. Going with the Demons. Uh, the, G- the GWS Giants have more talent. So based on that, I think Melbourne will get up. Tomorrow's game, it's the Blues taking on the Crows. Crows going for three in a row all of a sudden, but I think the Blues will continue. Yeah, Blues. They're a pretty good season. The Hawks and the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs, your Bulldogs. team, need to win that. The yep. Swans taking on the Lions. The, the Lions will do that on Sunday and Monday. It's the last game of the round. Before we get to the last get round of mm. the season, Collingwood taking on the Suns. I think from what I saw from the Suns the other night, Collingwood will do enough to get themselves in the finals once again. I suspect they will. But Gold Coast, it should be mentioned, Gold Coast have had, they started off in a blaze of glory, Matt Rowell, obviously, and it almost seems like when he went down, the team just not fell apart, yeah. but they they struggled. Fell apart. And they, they have struggled, and they've still got all the talent in the world. Isaac Rankin's been a bright spot all bit. He has some lapses, particularly on the field, and maybe doesn't go hard enough at times. Your thoughts on that? Correct. Who's closer to a premiership, Fremantle or Gold Coast? Fremantle. Big call from Rob Bieber. That's why we love you. Fremantle. That's our sports wrap. If you want to speak to someone as passionate about 
cars as you are. Auto One is the one. That was our sports wrap. And that's another edition of Off the Bench. We'll look forward to your company next week. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.